I was out on my usual mid-morning stroll along the beach. Typically, I just daydream. But today I paid a bit more attention to those around me. They were all ages, many of them seniors who looked reasonably fit, healthy, and full of energy. I couldn't help but think of what their lives were like when they were kids, playing hide-and-seek, riding bikes for hours on end. And then I thought about kids today. I noticed less outside play. Too many people stare at a screen and don't even see what's around them. And not only kids, adults too. But as I look around, I also see hope. I get the feeling more people realize they need to get off the couch, away from their computer screens, and do something active. And I know here in White Rock, the Peace Arch Hospital Foundation is contributing to that effort. This is the Power to Heal. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at TD Bank Group. When people feel confident about their health, they feel better about their future. Since 1998, TD has invested over 83.5 million Canadian dollars in hospitals, healthcare programs, and children's health. TD is committed and ready to build on this history by supporting innovative research, solutions, and technology that create more equitable health outcomes for all. Learn more by visiting td.com slash readycommitment. In this series of podcasts, we'll focus on the many innovative ways the Peace Arch Hospital has been an integral part of its community. We'll talk to those who were instrumental in creating new initiatives for the hospital to grow and evolve along with the town it serves. In this episode, we'll take a look at a program called Move for Life. It's an initiative developed to minimize the need for hospital visits through active lifestyles. You'll be surprised by the difference even a little bit of regular activity can make. We called on longtime White Rock resident and veteran television and radio broadcaster Wayne Cox. Wayne is familiar with the Peace Arch Hospital and many of its programs. He helps us understand more about the various programs offered by the Peace Arch Hospital Foundation. As a White Rock South Surrey resident, I just love being able to walk the beaches or hop on my bike and get out and explore the area. And I've never been known to say no to a round of golf. And as much as I wholeheartedly appreciate what Peace Arch Hospital has done for me and my family over the years, I'd rather not need their services if I can help it. Well, I know Peace Arch Hospital's always there when I do need it, but I'd rather be enjoying the beach. Today, Wayne speaks with Drew Mitchell, who manages the Move for Life program. They discuss the concept of physical literacy, a term that has far-reaching implications for all ages. Drew, can you give us an overview of the program? What does it entail? Thank you, Wayne. Uh, I look forward to the opportunity. The Move for Life project, which is located in South Surrey, White Rock, is a very innovative program funded by the Peace Arch Hospital Foundations. And just to let you know, hospital foundations don't usually do this. They usually build stuff and buy stuff. They don't usually do proactive stuff in the community. So it's quite an innovative step by the Peace Arch Hospital Foundation in this case. But it's focused on developing physical literacy in the citizens on the peninsula and to increase physical activity over their lifetime. Cradle to grave, little kids through to moms to older adults and helping them get a better understanding to be more confident movers and move more often. Now you talk about physical literacy. What does that mean? Yeah, it's a term that's been around for a little over 100 years. First coined by the Army Corps of Engineers in the U.S. Late 1800s, early 1900s. As soon as 
innovation came along. So the creation of the automobile, the creation of the computer chip, it sort of made people question the idea that it was going to challenge the physical literacy of the population because it was going to change the amount of work we did and the amount of movement that we made. So physical literacy really, by definition, is the competence or ability, confidence, motivation, knowledge and understanding to value movement over your lifetime. When we were kids, Wayne, as an example, when we tore off with our friends and we're gone for the day and climbing trees and making up games and not having adults telling us what to do, a lot of our physical literacy was really nurtured organically. You know, we learned how to do stuff by our older siblings, by our friends, and it was uh, trial and error, you, you name it, right? And, and it was uh, yeah. sometimes to our detriment, but generally it was something that was, you know, in a community, you could do that. You could roam. You know, you were like a free range chicken. You could just kind of go wherever you wanted to go. Today, the difficulty is, is that adults, for the most part, mostly parents, have really restricted a child's movement. And then as we've aged, we've started to move less. And so inactivity based disease is now becoming one of the number one killers of our population. Wow. Immediately, when you said about childhood, I, I flash back on what we used to do. We, we would call them bike hikes, yeah, there you go. where mom would pack us a sandwich, <laughs> and off we'd go, and she'd be waving, and we'd, we'd ride our bikes from, from Dunbar to West Vancouver, over the Lionsgate Bridge, yeah. and back again. And, and the only caution was, you'd be home before the streetlights come Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those were the days, but uh, as you say, um, it's a different world now. You you wouldn't, I don't think a parent would, would allow a child to jump on their bike and, and go over the Lionsgate Bridge to West Vancouver and spend the day. Certainly not at the age we were doing it at, for sure. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Now this program, you said, uh, you know, from cradle to grave. So there must be a number of different tailor-made specific exercises and programs for the various ages, correct? Yeah. So what we're doing is we're trying to meet everybody where they're at. So rather than trying to create a, an out-of-the-box, one-size-fits-all kind of piece, what we're doing is we're taking a sector approach. So we're working with our primary activity sectors, schools, recreation department, sport clubs, and the health authority. Those are all organizations that are focused on having some component of physical activity in whatever they do. You know, we'll also engage other early child care and so on. So in South Surrey White Rock, as an example, we work very closely with School District 36. So with School District 36, we're targeted on elementary schools, kindergarten to grade seven. And we have uh, up until COVID, we actually had a, what we call a physical literacy mentor teacher. And what she would do is she would go into identified schools who had joined in on the project with us, and she would provide support for the generalist teacher who was providing activities for the, usually through physical education, to the kids in the day. Because in schools in South Surrey White Rock, there are no physical education specialists in the elementary school model. Hmm. So a lot of these teachers have very limited knowledge around being able to teach phys ed, you know, really well. And we're not only taking approach to phys ed, we're also, how do we build movement for kids over the whole school day? How do we build movement into the classroom? How can we make recess and lunch effective for them? Because there's some kids that just go and plop themselves down and they don't move anywhere, right? Mm. And so it's a culture of movement. It's, it's helping kids in particular when we're focused on kids. 
and helping them break down some of those barriers, build some confidence so they become more confident movers and hopefully become active for life. You're really dealing with lifestyle here, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Like it's become that, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, as I was mentioning earlier, a lot of parents who are putting up barriers for kids to move on a regular basis, part of the challenge there is we have almost surplus safety happening. You know, there's a fear that someone's going to take my child or hurt my child. The statistics really don't bear that out, Wayne. It, it, they just don't. And so we've probably gone a little too far one way. And because of that, we've really stunted many young people's love of moving, you know, because again, when we were roaming around as kids, we really enjoyed what we were doing. We were engaged and we had the more so than anything, we had the opportunity to do it. So now opportunities tend to have to be programmed. You know, it's either delivered through the rec center and, you know, and, and it may be for an older adult, so maybe pickleball or something like that. And so we're, we're working with the recreation department now in developing some innovative programming and more so than anything, helping those four main sectors work together better. So how can schools and the recreation department work better together? How can sport clubs support sport delivery in the school and so on? So it's it's been a really interesting process because there's been a real openness to doing this and to doing this this way. We have some really good partners at the table. The community has embraced this program. Then. They have. And, you know, our goal is a five-year project. Our goal from the beginning was to try and engage up to a third of the population. We estimated the population at around 100, 110,000 people in the peninsula. It may have gone up since then. But, you know, we were focused on about 33,000 people with you know reach and stuff like we're doing right now to help people get a better knowledge and understanding of what's going on because a lot of people don't know what they don't know as we'll quickly learn it's not just the kids who benefit from the move for life program as you also know we have a very large older population in the community so we've been very involved with the chronic disease management program that was uh, available at the center for active living and again covid's put a lot of that it's really changed a lot of that <laughs> dynamic But, you know, we were getting people who were frequent users of the hospital eMERGE department to not be going to the eMERGE department anymore. They were Mm. being, they were being supported and helped and, and able to get their quality of life improving enough so that they don't have to visit the hospital on a regular basis. Mm. So like you say, there's layers of this all over the place. And as we continue to evolve, the hospital foundation has been an excellent excellent supporter to being innovative and to trying different things. You know, I I went through a three stents procedure and I was told, well, you have to rehabilitate, you know, you got to get, got to get things going. Yeah. And uh, I always had in my mind, you know, you, you think of a gym, well, you think of these big guys and they're, you know, yeah. throwing giant weights around, yeah. but the program I was in very lightweight, a lot of cardio, you know, uh, treadmill, yeah. bicycles, that kind of thing. And, uh, it got to be where I was looking forward to each time I would go, you know, and I think maybe there's a bit of a stumbling block there that people have in their minds that, oh, I don't want to go to a gym because I'm not a great big bodybuilder. Yeah. But in actual fact, there are lots of different apparatus. It's not going to kill you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know and, and you're, you're right, Wayne, the, the, the gym is not the purview of the muscle head only. And the Center for Active Living is a really interesting 
you know, example of they have lots of really good equipment, you know, are they going to have 110 pound dumbbells? Probably not, you know, that's, no. <laughs> uh, you know, that's probably not going to happen. But, you know, what I sense about your going to that uh, organized exercise rehab session was it's very social. Well, yeah. know, and that's one of the biggest things in physical literacy. When we look at, we think of physical activity all the time. And, and I use physical activity as an overarching term to encompass sport, exercise, dance, all those things that when we move physically. And the interesting thing is, is that we've always thought of just the physical aspect, but not so much the, what we call the effective domain, which is the psychological, emotional, and cognitive components, right? Mm. And so are we creating activities that are confidence building so that they're reasonably challenging, but not too hard, right? Because if we make it too hard, you're going to fail a few times, walk away. Mm-hmm. And if it's too easy, you're going to get bored and not hang around. So, you know, it, it's important that when we do set up programs that they are customized and effective for the individual, that they have an entry point that people can understand and relate to, and that they gain you know, a sense of community in what they're doing because social connection is so important. Mm. You know, whether it's kids or youth or older adults, everybody wants to be part of something. Yeah. And it's a really important component in our program. We actually had a graduation day when someone... There you go. (laughs) When when someone finished the program and got a little diploma and everybody applauded and it was really very social and and a lot of fun. Yeah. How has COVID impacted the program? Yeah, pretty much stopped at dead in its tracks. Um, So, you know, cardiac rehab, chronic disease management programs, all of these had to pivot. And pivot was the magic word. In our case, one of the first things they said around COVID is we have to protect the older adults. So Mm. pretty much we haven't had access to any of the older adult populations in the communities for over a year. Um, Now that's, you know, we're coming out of the end of the tunnel now and things are changing a bit, which is great. And and the COVID numbers, Bonnie Henry, bless her heart, you know, are, are starting to really track down. So I'm optimistic that we're going to see something that looks like normal, Wayne, and that's going to change things. But yeah, like recreation departments starting to deliver online. But interestingly enough, when they did that, it actually picked up a whole group of people who weren't coming into their centers before. Oh. So now you have a you have an additional audience. Well, you know, these people, they haven't been part of our programs before. So it's COVID's really done a lot of things. It's forced the online stuff. It's it's forced a lot of people to be online who maybe were resistant to it before, right? Mm-hmm. And if you you know you've intonated around that, you know what what is the barrier to people? But it is also made us think a lot differently about how we do things. I'm really looking forward to reengaging our school program in the in the fall and and getting our older adult program going. We had a walking program going on in the hospital for patients who were in the hospital. We had to stop it. So we're we're really excited about getting reengaged again. Mm-hmm. Now, for people listening to the podcast right now, and you you have effectively got them off the couch. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> how how do they get involved with the program? What's their first step? Well, they can Google Move for Life, and it'll take them to the Peace Arch Hospital Foundation website, and they can find out more information there. They can go into their local recreation center and get engaged there. They can get engaged at their school if it's a parent with a child. There's lots of points of contact. We've been a little bit on pause for a while, so we're starting to emerge again. And I just wanted to give another shout out again to uh, to the hospital. We Through the Peace Arch Hospital Foundation and the Move for Life Project, um, we've been able to bring a movement program into long-term care 
at the lodge at, at the hospital. And right. really, Don Benson, who's one of the co-directors of the hospital, was a was a real guide around really helping out these people who've been isolated for so long and in a tough spot. So uh, we're excited that we were able to deliver that program uh, during mm. during COVID. And as you said, it, it's just not a uh, the usual type of program that a hospital foundation would uh, help sponsor. So props to them. Big time props to them. And, mm. and when you talk to Stephanie Beck, the executive director, I mean, one of the things she says very clearly is, you know, we do focus on the traditional things of a hospital foundation. But one of the things we're doing as well, investing in the community is to actually try and keep people out of the hospital. Again, kudos to them for that forward thinking. Well, Drew Mitchell, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. I'm going to go jump on my bike now and go <laughs> go for a ride and get healthy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much, Wayne. Really appreciate the opportunity. Always innovating, always changing with the times. The story of the Peace Arch Hospital Foundation has many chapters. This podcast sheds light on why keeping active at a young age well into our senior years is so important. We're thrilled to bring you this story. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at TD Bank Group. When people feel confident about their health, they feel better about their future. Since 1998, TD has invested over 83.5 million Canadian dollars in hospitals, healthcare programs, and children's health. TD is committed and ready to build on this history by supporting innovative research, solutions, and technology that create more equitable health outcomes for all. Learn more by visiting td.com slash readycommitment. Innovation comes to life in so many ways at the Peace Arch Hospital Foundation. During the month of October, we invite you to learn more about the ER and OR construction updates. The Peace Arch Hospital is currently undergoing a $91 million multi-phase renovation project. It includes the expansion of the emergency department and surgical suites, along with the relocation and upgrading of the medical device reprocessing department. The new extension is a significant increase of space, along with redesigned work and patient flow. The expanded emergency department will support their teams in continuing to provide quality care in spaces better designed to meet the needs of their patients. The new surgical suites will replace three existing operating rooms with five new ones, providing more surgeries for patients closer to home. The relocation of the medical device reprocessing department closer to the surgical suites will provide improved access, infection control, and safety for patients, physicians, and staff. If you're interested in learning more about this project, make sure you subscribe to the email list on the Foundation's website at pahfoundation.ca. You'll receive the latest news and updates about the Foundation and their work in the community. In our next episode, we'll explore the topic of community health and how the Foundation supports a number of initiatives for all ages in the White Rock, South Surrey area. Joining us will be Penny Bradley, the Executive Director of Alexandra Neighborhood House, and Kathy McIntyre, a retired registered nurse and community volunteer. See you next time.